Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. Well, today's message is the first uh, message I've had in a couple of months from returning from my sabbatical. And actually, I'm going to be speaking out of something I've been doing a bunch of writing on and, and studying about this last year, but particularly on the sabbatical. And this is the first of, of several messages that we'll do on the subject called The Meaning of Sight, looking at how we see, how we can see better, uh, how we can recognize what areas where we're blind. Uh, so let's go ahead and head to the talk, North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. About 10 or 12 years ago, the comedian Louis C.K. had what really has become one of my favorite comedic bits out there, and certainly my favorite thing from Louis C.K., and it wasn't from one of his comedy specials, it was actually just, he was on, I I think, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and the little bit became known as Everything's Amazing and Nobody's Happy, and he was talking about how he was, and, and this is a horrible thing to do as a public speaker, like try to tell somebody else's comedy. I'm not going to try to tell it. I'm just going to recap his story. You can go look up the clip later, and it's a lot funnier than me doing it, although you may laugh at me more for struggling through it. But he talks about how I think he was taking a flight from New York to L.A., and as they're getting ready to lift off, the stewardess comes on the microphone and says, hey, we want to let everybody know that we will be offering something new on this plane. First time that we're doing this in the history of this airline, it's free Wi-Fi in the air. Now, this was 10 or 12 years ago, so that was like a a pretty big deal. So Louis C.K. and the guy next to him were like, hot dog, we're going to get to get on YouTube when we get up to cruising altitude. Sure enough, cruising altitude, they say, all right, go ahead and log on to the Wi-Fi and surf the web. So Louis C.K. and the guy next to him, they start surfing the web, and everything's going great for about five minutes, and then the whole system crashes. And the guy next to Louis C.K. was like, man, this is bull crap. You know, (laughs) and Louis C.K. was like, how quickly we become entitled to something that didn't exist a few days before. He said, you know, when we talk about uh, air travel, it's like horror stories nowadays. I mean, you see people, if you want to just look up like the worst stories ever, just go on Twitter and put in like hashtag airline or or air travel, and you're just going to see one horror story after another like it's the worst thing ever. And and Louis C.K. is making the point like, do you realize how amazing it is that we actually have flight? I mean, 200 years ago, if you were going to go from New York to L.A., that journey would take you months, maybe years, and the group of people that were traveling with you in your horse-drawn wagons would be a whole different group by the time you got there because some people would have died off, some people would have been born. And now you can hop in a plane and in three hours be across the country. As Louis C.K. put it, when flying, we ought to find ourselves going, I'm in a chair in the air! <laughs> Everything's amazing and nobody's happy. How quickly or how easily we take for granted 
the most amazing stuff in life, right? And one of the things I want to talk about that we take for granted is sight, seeing. Now, maybe, maybe I'm talking about this because in the last two years, you know, I'm, I'm on my, my second prescription of, of reading glasses now. Even though I've got an iPhone that is like the size of the mini iPads that they came out with a few years ago, I can't read this thing uh, anymore without glasses. And, uh, I, and so maybe I'm facing my own problems, but I got to tell you, for the last year, I have been contemplating what I'm calling the meaning of sight. And that may sound kind of like a, 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 a strange thing, because the word sight and meaning, I'm going to not put these on yet, uh, <laughs> because oftentimes when we think of sight, it doesn't seem like something about meaning. Sight is just this thing we do. It's just obvious. Like, we just see. It's just everything that around us. We, it, it's just a very obvious passive process that we're not really engaged in on any level. If you think about seeing from, from a, a biologics, biological and, and physics level, what's going on this morning as you have your eyes open and you're looking up here at this stage, what you were seeing is photons of light reflected off the objects in this room that are going in through the pupil of your eye, focused through a lens to the back of your eye, where the information contained in all these photons that, that are bouncing off a 3D environment are then converted to a 2D image on the back of your eye. And then that 2D image is then converted into electrical signals that travel through the neural pathways of your brain to be assembled as information that helps you navigate the world. And you do this effortlessly. That's pretty amazing, huh? I mean, we cut, our, we cut our cable years ago, and so we've just been doing the, the, the streaming Netflix kind of thing. And, and that's worked pretty good because I've hardly seen a televised commercial in years. And I, I, I can't even take commercials on TV anymore. Like, I don't even watch TV in hotels anymore because I'm like, who would do this? Who would watch all these commercials? Um, but the, the downside about having you know, streaming is that you got to rely on your internet network. And our internet network with Charter uh, in, in our neighborhood is sometimes gets a little spotty when you have a big rain, which, you know, is quite frequent down here in Louisiana. And so you'll be watching a show on Netflix, and it'll, it'll freeze for a few seconds, or, or it, it might get very pixelated. And it, it kind of makes the viewing, uh, you know, I, I find myself going, this is bull crap. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, it kind of makes the, the, the viewing thing less enjoyable. But think about your eyes. There is no lag. You are processing millions of pieces of information every second just sitting in your chair. Looking. And while sight seems like a rather, uh, rather passive process to you, really seeing is an act of interpretation. You can only really see things that you are prepared to see. You can only really see things that you've experienced. To illustrate this, how many of you were alive and... and, and watching TV on the morning of September 11th, 2001. Yeah, most people. And, and, and most of you remember exactly where you are that moment. That's a, there's a, a certain term for this, a, a meta-memory or something. I, I heard a term for it, and I, I just probably made that up. But there, there's a certain term for, for things that everybody remembers because they were such a profound event. Remember back 
when I, I remember that morning, I was sitting in a cafe right off the campus of SLU, meeting with my band members in Mary's Den, and we were planning our upcoming rockathon where we were going to break the Guinness Book of World's Records for the longest concert. And we did, by the way, briefly. 25 hours. Yeah. <laughs> the kind of stupid stuff you do back in college. I couldn't find any takers when I wanted to do it a year later. <laughs> but, um, but we're planning this benefit concert uh, that morning, and we noticed on the TV screens in the cafe, the news story came up that a, a commercial airliner had just crashed into the first of the two towers. Now, you remember what you thought when that first plane crashed when you first saw the news? I remember thinking, that's the craziest thing ever. Of all the freak accidents, a commercial airline crashing into a building. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, I guess it's, you know, statistically, you know, going to happen at some point because there's more and more buildings and more and more planes. And at some point, those two realities are going to intersect. But wow, this morning, that's, that's crazy. And we all sat affixed to the TV going, wow, this is, this is nuts. And we were watching the, the tower burn. And then 30 minutes, 45 minutes later, the next plane hits. Remember that feeling? The first, the first few moments, you're watching that second building that just got hit by a plane, and your mind is trying to make sense of it. You don't even know if, if what you saw was right. Wait, is this a, is this a scrambled feed or something? Is this the, a different angle? Is, is, is something messed up? Like, like, surely I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. Like, like there's a moment where you're, you're just, what is going on? But then the sinking reality begins to set in that you, we all collectively realize that this wasn't an accident. This was actually intentional. This was an act of malevolence. Now, why didn't you assume that the first plane hitting the building was a terrorist attack? Because we had lived in a world up to that point where nobody had flown a commercial airliner into a building. We could only interpret that experience based on how, our, how we'd experience planes and buildings in our world. But I guarantee you, if next week we hear a story about a plane crashing into a building, what are we going to think about that? Terrorist. Even though the probability of a plane hitting a, a building, it's going to happen on accident at some point. If the world sticks around long enough and we have planes long enough, that's going to happen. We only see what we're prepared to see. We only see what, what, what we've experienced. Seeing is an act of interpretation. We, we, got, a, we got a little baby here, right? How old's that baby? Five months. And with this five-month-old baby, I, I, I guarantee you, you just try to keep most stuff out of arm's reach of her, right? Why do you do that? Because a little baby that age, they're going to grab anything that they can grab. And where's it going? Right in their mouth. <laughs> and they're always slobbering over things and grabbing things. And, and I've had that experience. I'm sure you have, too, where you get too close to a baby and they gra grab your hair with the death grip. And, and it's, it's worth, you know, like a pit, pit bull on your leg. Um, but what's going on with babies is they're actually learning to see. How are they learning to see? By experiencing the objects in their environment. It's a very tactile 
kind of experience. It is a very tactile way of learning to, to distinguish between yourself and the objects in your room. When you're first born, the first few weeks of your life, you can only see about a foot, foot and a half. I mean, your, your, your field of vision is very small, which, you know, all you got to see is mom because she's groceries and she's protection and, and, and care and all that stuff. But gradually over your life, you begin experiencing the, the, the things in your environment and you begin to associate those things and name them and call them things. Now, now you don't really make up the names yourself, right? I mean, you might. I mean, we, when, when you're a baby, when you first start learning how to speak, you might call this thing this round spherical object. You may call it whatever. But eventually, we learn what other people call this small round thing, and, and that's how we can learn to communicate with other people. We call this thing a ball and this thing a block and this thing a, a, a doll. But bit by bit throughout your whole life, you are, you are um, developing a database of definitions for everything that you've experienced. And most of those things operate at a, at a, at a really subconscious level. I mean, that's why, that's why by the time you hit about 16, you know, I, I got a, six, a 15-year-old boy right now. He wants to drive. I just don't want to pay all the money for insurance and stuff because my insurance is going to more than double with a, a 16-year-old. But for some reason in our world, it, it doubles because 16-year-old boys are not great at driving. But at least they have gotten to a point uh, de developmentally where they can drive down a road and they're not overwhelmed by all the visual information coming at you. Think about how crazy that is to drive a car down a road at 70 miles an hour and you, like all the things you're having to do in your brain just to do that. And we just do that all the time like it's nothing. Everything's amazing, people. <laughs> and hopefully by the time you get into your you know, mid-20s, you, you've got enough of a database of, of things that you've experienced that you can see relatively well. And, and again, when I talk about seeing here, it is not just how good your eyes are, how good your eyes work. It's really a matter of understanding and interpreting. But where I want to get with this is that this is one of the reasons that, you know, you can take some words that are pretty simple words. I mean, that you look in the dictionary, like a, a, the definition of mom or dad or home or tolerance or security or America. You can look those words up. And the definitions aren't, aren't that, I mean, it's pretty simple definitions. But the reality is every one of us has our own definition of those words. Like take, take, for instance, the word home. That may seem like a very easy thing to define. But if you've grown up in a home with a, an abusive, alcoholic father, you've grown up in poverty, maybe you grew up moving all over the world and you never got to make friends in any other place, uh, you know, because your parents were always moving you around, then your definition personally of the word home is going to be very different from the person who grew up with both parents and had, you know, everything provided for in, in, a, in a pretty healthy emotional uh, situation. So even though we may have pretty neutral definitions when it comes to things like soccer ball or block, certain words along the way carry a lot of baggage for us 
And we are mostly blind to the baggage that those words carry for us. This is why you can see this happening every day. If you wanted to go on Facebook right now, I'm sure within about two minutes you can find somebody fighting or, 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 or Twitter. And I see this happen all the time. Freaking idiot, how, how can you see this like that? You know, people say that, like, isn't it obvious that this is actually the way to run the world or this is actually what you're supposed to do with immigrants or this is actually self-evident the way you're supposed to do things? And the other person's like, no, you're the idiot. You don't know how to see this thing. How blindly we trust in our own sight. How blindly we trust in our own sight, don't we? How we all assume that my point of view is the actual best view on truth. The first rule of Fight Club, I mean, the first rule of learning to see. (laughs) The first rule of learning to see as admitting that we might not see as well as we think. On the front of your outline, well, actually, I think in your outline, I doubled up on it. Jesus says, your eyes are the windows into your body. If you open up your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. Now, as a good teacher of the Bible, I, I have to, or at least a mediocre teacher of the Bible, I have to actually put that passage in, in its context. I think, I think what Jesus is saying applies in all kinds of ways, but I need to at least speak for a moment at the context that Jesus applies this to. Jesus is talking in the, in the previous verses. Actually, let me, let me just read it. Now, that first uh, verse, I was reading that out of the message. But to give you a little context of this, uh, this is the NIV. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? How can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And what do you worry about clothes for? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's the context of where Jesus makes this little statement about the eyes being the the window of your body, the lamp of your body, as, as some translations put it. It's happening in the context of worry about possessions, about money, about the future and having enough resources, about focusing on the things that we have or that we don't have. And think about that. When you get worried about your future, when you get worried about your stuff or having enough stuff next year or 10 years from now, when you are living obsessed with that, doesn't your field of vision narrow greatly? You find yourself fixated on that. Or maybe you're worried about what other people think of you. And so every five minutes, you're checking Facebook to see if they liked you (laughs) or frowned. I posted something on Facebook the other day I thought was pretty good. And an elderly friend of mine who I respect deeply uh, put angry face on it. And I was like, did he really hate what I had to say? Chances are he probably tried to put happy face and just made it sad. So I'm I'm, I'm (laughs) trying... It's willful blindness. I'm going to talk about that next week. (laughs) But how our attachment to our things makes us blind. And what does Jesus say is the antidote to that, the antidote antidote to, to anxiety about our stuff and our money and our future and our clothes and food on the table? What does Jesus say is the antidote to that? Go outside and look at some birds. Have you ever done that before? You ever just gone outside and just sat there and looked at stuff? Man, I did a bunch of that on my sabbatical. I did like about a five-day retreat at this little Catholic retreat center. And they actually had like a a pool out there, which was cool. And I was the only person there. So I would just, it was an above-ground pool. And I just found myself out there. Like for five days, I hardly listened to any music, watched any TV or anything. Just writing and thinking and just being quiet. And I just found like sitting in the pool, watching the birds for like an hour. Like it's amazing. How much, when you let creation speak to you, it will. The antidote for anxiety and all this stuff is just go outside. Pay attention. Notice how this whole thing works. Notice how it doesn't need supervision. Notice how everyone is taken care of. Everyone is giving and receiving in this divine ecosystem that God has put together. And there's no worry in it. Look at that. And realize that you're connected to that same ecosystem. Pay attention. So that's one aspect. The other aspect that I want to end with today, if seeing is an act of interpretation, and our interpretation of the different things that we see is based on our experience and based on 
the definitions that our families and our culture uh, and our place in society has given us, then to truly see better, and look, I don't think we're, I, I don't, I don't think we can ever get to a point where we completely see everything. I don't think God gives us that ability. We are finite human beings. But we can see better. But seeing better is a process of recognizing our own biases that get in the way. I want you to think this morning about maybe an argument or an intense emotion that you've felt in this last week. Maybe it's because of something you saw posted online. Maybe it's a a story you heard on the news. Maybe it was a discussion with your spouse. Those of you that argue with your spouses, I wouldn't know anything about that. At least for a couple days. Uh. (laughs) But think about a situation you've been in with another person in which you felt an intense emotion begin to arise within you. Maybe you were tempted to go, you're so stupid. Like, I can't believe how you can't see this. It's so obvious. (laughs) If you have one of those situations recalled in your mind, I want you to sit with that situation to think about it. Our knee-jerk reaction is when we see somebody post something online that we don't agree with, we pull out the the guns and the videos and the studies, and, and we start going after them. But I think a more important question to ask is, why do you even see things that way at all? Why? Are these the answers that have been given to you by your family? By the Democrats, the Republicans, by your church, by your religion, by your place in life? Are they the, the, the answers? Is, is, is that why you see this thing that way? Or have you actually experienced things this way? That question right there, you're going to realize if you're willing to see, you're going to realize that so much of what you believe about so many things is just what has been handed to you. And maybe it's been handed to you by people who are great people, but you're just taking the answers, especially on a lot of these things that were just given to you. And they make sense to you because that's the world you grew up in. That's the family, the home, the, the, the climate that you've grown up in. It has shaped your understanding of those things. That's why, I, you know, I don't have much to say on the economy of the United States because my experience with the economy, heck, I don't know anything about it. Not enough to really be opinionated on, you know. (laughs) I'm like, if I'm going to fight with somebody online about something, I can't fight about the economy because I don't even know much about my own economy in my own house. (laughs) Interrogate our sight. Interrogate how we've come to arrive at these things. I'm not saying that we're seeing things wrong, but we need to at least come to terms with why we see things the way that we do. And look, you're not going to answer that question either, by the way. (laughs) But questions are better than answers, people. Because once we get an answer, we get complacent, right? Once we get an answer, we lock it in the answer box. But if you get a couple of good questions in your life, you can spend the rest of your life seeking the answer to those questions. And you'll never find it totally, as you two saying, you know, still hadn't found what I'm looking for. But it is the pursuit, the seeking the answer, which changes us, that that affects our sight. 
Because once you can start coming to terms with your own biases and the way that you see certain issues, you can start realizing that other people have their own biases as well. You can begin to understand why they may see something very obviously that you don't see it that way. See, I think what I'm trying to get at today is that that real sight is 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 a is is a way of I, I I think when I think of Jesus and the incarnation, God was learning something in the incarnation. What what does an omniscient, omnipresent being have to learn? What things are like from a particular point of view. Think about that. If you're omnipresent, omniscient, if you're everywhere, all-powerful at all times, what is the one thing you lack? Particularity. God in Jesus was learning what it's like to be us, to understand us. I'm not making this up. It says so in Hebrews. God learned obedience through the th- Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. We have a high priest that we can approach because he can empathize with us in our weakness because he's faced everything that we'll ever face. Yet he did it on the right trajectory. He did it without sin. He hit the mark instead of missing the mark like way many of us do. When we begin to interrogate our own sight, to come to terms with the things that have shaped the way that we see words like father, mother, home, America, tolerance, security, or even God. We're probably going to find that a lot of the definitions that we have for those things are not even based on experience. They're based on what other people have given to us. But we might also find that maybe when it comes to certain words, our definition is based in hurt and abuse Or we might find that with some of these words, we've never experienced any suffering at all, so we have no compassion. And as we come to terms with our own biases that that, that keep us blinded to things, we can now see better to navigate the world around us without being jerks. (laughs) So this morning's message... I'm not looking to solve everything for you. I'm actually hoping to leave you in a place of insecurity today. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I walked away from church questioning everything that I see. <laughs> I just pray that, that in this upcoming week, that every one of us, when you have an intense emotion this week, good or bad, doesn't have to be a bad one. When you have an intense emotion, instead of just reacting out of that emotion to the people around you, why don't you take a moment to sit with that emotion and to ask why you feel that way? What's that based on? Where is that coming from? Pay attention. Look at your own life. See, this is the beautiful thing. Let's get back to some amazing stuff. This is the beautiful thing. We are beings that have this amazing biology and this amazing way to use these little things on our faces called eyes to, to allow photons of light to be projected. Into, I mean, we, all that stuff that I said earlier. But we're also conscious. <laughs> we're not robots. We can actually consciously 
step back from how we see and interrogate the way that we see. What a beautiful gift that is. We don't just see, but we can see ourselves seeing in a sense. All right, stand up. I just want to pray a blessing on everyone here today. May you be blessed in the coming week with true sight. May you feel the nudgings of the Holy Spirit deep within. When you experience powerful emotions, may you have the courage to interrogate how you see them. And as you go through this process, if there are places that you find that need healing, may you begin the path with friends, with therapists, with whoever to bring healing to those places in which you experience things in a painful way that shaped your definitions. May you behold God's work in his creation and not be blinded by focusing on your stuff and your money and and anxiety about the future. May you be free to live in this moment by the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to be back, guys and gals. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll continue this uh, series next week, ne- next week uh, on the Meeting of Sight. So if you need prayer, just feel free to come up to the front. We'll be glad to p- pray with you. And I got done, like, early. So you can, you can stand around and talk for, like, two minutes if you have kids. Or you can, you can really... Uh, Go pick them up early if you want. Tell them them that I ended up early. I need some help.